Today on the show, I'm speaking with Deremiah Astrick CPE, who talks about the importance of happiness and how to get there fast. So stay tuned. Okay, hi, my name is Natalie Ladwell and this is The Inspiration Show and today my special guest is Deremiah CPE. You have to tell us what the CPE stands for. <laughs> I, de I definitely will. Actually, uh, it's asterisk CPE, but the internet won't allow me to use the asterisk, which is cool. The CPE stands for uh, originally Customer Passion Evangelist, but I like to uh, use it as an acronym. For anything that I'm working on, any type of uh, project that I'm developing, uh, like one time I did a radio show and I called it Creating Powerful Exuberance. And so I love to just take those three letters and it kind of just came to me one day when I looked at IBM, I said, their letters stay the same. I said, because I'm creative, you know, then I should incorporate the three letters staying the same, but the meaning changing. Absolutely. I love it. Very adaptable. Very adaptable, which is great for these for these changing times. Um, I agree. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, Jeremiah. Well, I'm actually an inspirational speaker mm -hmm. and author, and I love to just create, to be honest with you. I've been real passionate about uh, creating things since I was, you know, as early as I can remember, four years old, five years old, drawing and painting pictures. Come from a very, you know, uh, creative family. My mom and dad were extremely creative. Both of them sang. Both of them drew pictures. And my mom also, you know, designed clothes and all kinds of other things that she was just talented at. So all around me, I had nothing but creativity going on. And it was actually a great background for the life that I've come into now. I, I, I remember one of the first uh, jobs that I took out of college, which was with a startup nonprofit organization. And after being with them for about a year and a half and the relationship, you know, you know, me sensing and the owner sensing it was time for us to move on beyond that relationship. I, that's when I began to realize that my background growing up as a military brat, living in 13 cities here in the U.S., being raised in Germany for five years, was going to come in handy in terms <laughs> of knowing how to be adaptable and flexible to change. Yeah. You know, isn't it interesting how um, it, our perception of how we look at something can completely change the course of our life? You know, I know there are some people that would travel that much as a kid and, and be affected by it because they wouldn't be able to make friends for a long period of time and they'd be moving around, except your your perception and view, your view of it is like, well, this is handy. This is a great thing. Well, it, 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 only, came, it only came about that way uh, because, you know, like anything, Natalie, I mean, you've been there yourself. Uh, a lot of times before you really gain clarity, you have to go through a moment of haziness, you know, um, uh, uh, as I call it, as an artist, you know, when you start a picture, the picture, you're real clear about what you want to create. But midway through the picture is where things get a little fuzzy. Yeah. And you've got to push through those fuzzy moments in order to get to the clarity at the end that you envision in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so I, I agree with you. What I found for me is that when I was traveling a lot, it frustrated me as a kid. And I used to hate, really, you know, I mean, I don't even like to use the word hate, you know, but that's how I felt when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, hate the idea of me, you know, having to move again. And I remember uh, one time a woman speaking to me. I can't even remember her name, but bless her soul, you know, she spoke words to me that really just, you know, in the beginning, 
it didn't ring clear, but it did after, you know, a little while. It opened me up. And one of the things she said to me, Natalie, is she said, Jeremiah, one thing that you have to recognize is that there are things remaining constant in your life. And she said these words. She said, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And 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 I really didn't understand her. And so she went a little further. And she said, what you have to do is you have to look at the similarities and the differences. And what you've been looking at is how, how all things are different. But what you haven't been looking at is how things are similar. And what the similarities are is that you're always constantly moving. That's a that's a consistent thing. So learn to accept that and be comfortable with that, you know, because this is the state of your circumstances at this time. Learn to embrace it, you know, learn to recognize that you're going to have to learn to love meeting new people. And, and right now you don't understand why why you need to have this experience. But at a later time, you will. And sure enough, you know, the universe has revealed to me that I'm a world player. And so because of that. I need to know how to acclimate, meet people from different cultures, different ethnicities, and and learn how to be really, really comfortable with people being different than me. And I and I did learn to do that, and I'm glad to say that that's been one of the you know the bright lights uh, in my life experiences, learning how to be adaptable, flexible, resilient. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. I I think the more that we that we experience uh, other people from different walks of life and different cultures. Um, that have had completely different upbringings from a place of non-judgment, but as a place from a place of curiosity, and of oh. like you know, I really want to you know want to understand humanity even more. I think is a gift. So you've you've definitely been bestowed with a gift, which is awesome. Um, but you know, I think the other thing too is really um, you know either looking at it badly or choosing to be happy. And I know that you have a lot to tell us about happiness. So what is something that um, that you find? It makes happiness elusive for a lot of people. Well, I think what makes happiness elusive for people, Natalie, is the fact that they really haven't learned how to be comfortable being happy within themselves. At least that's been my experience. Most people are, you know, happy in the moment, happy in the event, happy at, you know, the 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 the, the wedding uh, event, happy, you know, at you know, the bridal event, happy at the, you know, the company dinner, you know, people, it's easy to be happy when there's a reason, you know, outward reason to be happy, meaning there's an event to be happy. Mm -hmm. All right. We're, we're automatically responding to the event, but how do we learn how to be happy being alone, being Mm -hmm. happy, you know, at every state of our condition. And I, and I don't mean when I say every state, Natalie, I'm not ridiculously saying, you know, that, every waking moment of your life. But what I'm saying is that there really does have to be like an undertone, you know what I mean, of happiness where even when you're not smiling, you know, you're happy on the inside. Even when you're, you know, it doesn't appear from the outside that you're happy on the inside, you're content, you're completely satisfied with who you are and you're completely satisfied with the events, you know, and the circumstances that you're in right now. Because a lot of times, uh, it's easy to be, as I, I like to say, it's easy to be happy when there's a reason to be happy. It's easy to be happy when things are going great and when yeah. things are going well. But you have to learn how to be happy when the events don't appear to be going well for you. And that's the moment when we have to recognize that, you know, appearances, you know, cannot necessarily communicate to us the depth of what is really happening in our benefit. Right. And so sometimes we have to, you know, as they say, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Sometimes we have to step out of the frame. Yeah. 
and just be objective about what is there for me to learn here. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. A, a challenge that you come across in life is not necessarily a, a reason to stop, but it's a reason to think, okay, well, what can I learn from this experience? You know, and normally it's so that we can learn something new or pick up a new skill or something that's going to make us better equipped for the life that we're going to be leading. But, you know, when we talk about happiness, I always think my husband's favorite saying is that happiness is a, a way of travel, not a destination, you know, and it's, um, it's all about really enjoying the journey, don't you think? I, 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 to I totally agree, and that's a, that's a great way to look at it. I've never, you know, thought about that part of it, but I'll throw something out there that I have always looked at, and it's kind of, it, it, it may seem not contrary, but it's just differently stated than what your husband stated, but it means the same exact thing. Um, I looked at the states, for example, of the United States, and I said, in each one of those states, there's a different experience, and I've lived in most of them, mm -hmm. you know, or been through most of them, and when you're in them, you take on a different persona. So what I recognize is that we also have states within ourselves, you know, states of how we feel. Mm -hmm. And so one day I decided, I said, you know what? I don't see happiness on the map, but I need to be in that state. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go there. <laughs> you know, and that's a really good thing that you bring out. So what do you think is, what's, what's an easy way for people to get into a state of, a state of happiness? And I know that you don't mean like overjoyous, annoying happiness. I know that you just mean like a more positive vibration. What, what's, a, what's an easy way for people to get into that state? Well, to, to be honest with you, um, sometimes, you know, I do mean annoying. And, and I right. don't mean annoying to other people, but I mean annoyingly happy. You know, I did a video once about that one time because they were talking about that, you know, people shouldn't, you know, project this happiness because it makes other people sad. And I'm like, well, you know what? Sometimes I'm going to be annoyingly happy, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because that's that's great stuff. But but to get back to your point, Natalie, one of the things that um, I encourage people to do is I encourage them to find something that they can connect to. So uh, about probably about five years ago, uh, when I first got on Facebook, I invented this uh, hat. And I actually, I actually call it a babushka, all right? <laughs> it looks similar to the one that I have on my head, but it can fit differently depending on how you wear it. Uh, you can see mine on, on LinkedIn. I think you can see me in a blue one. Yeah. But the, the reason why I created it is because it's a touch point. I mean, the, the, the words on here says, be babushka happy. And so when people receive this as a gift or someone gives it to them, what happens is they begin to recognize that, you know, this is a touch point. This is a, a thing that I can connect to. When I see it, people become happy. When they, they touch it, they become happy. And so what I'm trying to do really, Natalie, is I'm trying to help people to understand that we can create those same kinds of states within ourselves, but sometimes we need a little help from being able to see something outwardly and trigger our imagination, kind of like what you explained in your book, you know, about RAS and how the way that works, R-A-S, you know, mm -hmm. how that affects us and how when we see something, you know, we respond to it, you know, because of that deep emotional feeling. And so I think that I, what I try to do is I try to identify with people, first of all, what, what has made you ha happy in life? What, what events, what, what things in your life have you been proud of that have made you happy? And I try to get them to understand, okay, now that you have these happy images that you're consciously aware of, what you are consciously aware of, and I remember Brian Tracy uh, explaining this real clearly one time, is he said, you can re re reverse engineer your happiness. He said, because 
when you smile, even if you force the smile, after a while, eventually, you know, because of the position of your face, it'll trigger endorphins in your head from all of the millions of images you already got locked into your brain that only need a trigger like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, and I think what you, what you, what, what really what it boils down to is that happiness is a choice. Yes. You know, that, that, that you can choose to be happy. Um, you can choose the life that you want and just through different choices, um, you know, you can change the directory of your life. You know, so, I, um, I, I, someone's, I actually got a thing that's just thought of a, a message I got the other day, an email I got the other day about, you know, someone had, uh, set themselves this huge goal. Um, which they had been able to achieve and they're like, well, now what? I'm like, well, what's next? You know, what's the next goal? I said, uh, you know, wanting other things or wanting to achieve other things in your life doesn't mean that you're always wanting. Well, you know, as long as you're enjoying the journey and enjoying the process and yes. growing as a person as you do it, um, that's what makes up life. You know, these different challenges and stepping outside your comfort zone because there's no much, there's no fun happening inside the comfort zone. It's all happening outside. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I, and I, um, I, I know it all too well, Natalie. At the age of 16, I was on the verge of committing suicide after my parents had went through a, a pretty ugly divorce. And, um, me and my mom were living, you know, together with my sister for about a year. And then, you know, my mom, who was not able to provide for herself, uh, ended up, you know, being put in a bad position and we were evicted from our house and we all became homeless. And we, each one of us were living in different places. And I thought, okay, because I was living with, you know, my best friend, Tom, and he happened to be a white gentleman. Whenever we were together, they always called us salt and pepper, you know, because that's how tight we were. And his mom was really like my, my surrogate mother. I loved her. And she always, you know, made sure that whatever Tom got, I got. But my mom, she didn't really, you know, that didn't sit well with her, especially after she decided that she wanted to move from the state in which we were raised up in. And I was excited about, you know what I mean, life. And, you know, and I was one of the top uh, athletes in the state of Oklahoma at the time. In, in the, in my senior year, I was a junior on top of that. So you could imagine moving in the, in the middle of your junior year. But I was, we were on the verge of uh, a year later, uh, being state champs. It had been announced for almost four years that because our team was Owen was nine and no most seasons that we were going to be the highly rated team that was going to be state champions. And it, it never happened before at our school. And I was excited because it was going to be my senior year and I was going to get, you know, my chance to perform and, and being an athlete, you know, Hey, uh, yeah. I had to be honest with you. Playing sports was like my religion. And in the midst of that, my mom decided one night at one o'clock in the morning that we were going to have to leave the next morning by 9 a.m., not giving Tom's mother or father an opportunity to really try to persuade her to let me stay there. And they they told her, hey, we'll take care of Jeremiah. We'll make sure everything's well. And that didn't go well. So we moved a thousand miles away from Oklahoma to Chicago. And we moved from the middle class, you know, primarily white suburban community in Oklahoma where, you know, like I said, I was just loved. I was just endeared. I mean, people loved me as an athlete and a friend to, to Chicago, far south side in the middle of my junior year. And, and I, and I went into a state of depression and I, and it was so, so bad. I was crying. I mean, I just break down out of nowhere and just start crying profusely. You know what I mean? And this would go on at least a couple of times every week. I mean, and I didn't know what it was because I didn't know what depression was, even though my mom suffered mental illness all my life. So it wasn't like it was, you know, the understanding, you know, the state of the mind could be depressed. But I just 
I, I think I had trouble accepting that I was, you know what I mean? Because all my life I've been this happy-go-lucky, smiley kind of mm-hmm. kid. And sure enough, that's what happened. And, and it sent me on a tangent. I almost, you know, committed suicide as a result of that. And, and, and so when I, when I finally started transitioning through the process, okay, of realizing that I could turn the corner on this event, you know what I mean? Even though I was, wasn't going to get back to Oklahoma, I had to, I had to accept the circumstances. And it was as a result of, like I said, just some experiences that I had with a relative of mine. And she kind of pulled me to the side and thank God for her. She said to me, she said, you know, you, you know, I was real frustrated about life and I'd given up all hope for, you know, believing in anything, you know, in terms of higher being, God, whatever. And, 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 and that was quite unusual for me because I was always in that kind of place. But at this time I wasn't. And I remember her, you know, sharing some very intimate words with me that really, you know, jarred my thinking. And it wasn't, you know, she was very soft and she was just loving, you know, towards me and understood where I was at. And it was through her gestures of love and kindness that my life began to, you know, slightly turn around. And then as a little bit more, you know, time moved on, it broke, you know, it it changed even more and more. And then, you know, I had like a miracle happen, you know what I mean, to me that I didn't expect to happen, you know, because when, when you come to high schools and you, Play you 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 trial for teams that have been in place for four or five years. Very rarely does an athlete, no matter how outstanding he is, gets to come into a new school where the coaches have already seen all the other former players mm. and have seen you. Fortunately, the universe dealt me a funny, unique hand. Like I said, like I told you before, I was playing with a team that was nine and zero, but at the school where I wound up at, their team was zero and nine. They hadn't won a game in two years. And so when I got out there the first game, I ended up scoring three touchdowns and two extra points. And the next day, my name was in the headlines, you know, stating, you know, what I had done. And I began to, you know, that that seeing that headlines, Natalie, it's kind of like you say in your book about the triggers and what we see and how we need to bring like the mind movies before our mind in order to understand them. I didn't realize back then, but of course, I clearly know it now. Being a star athlete and seeing my name show up in the papers all the time in Oklahoma was a common thing for me. And so when I saw my name show up in the paper, you know, after that year had passed and I went through all the problems, it kind of re-triggered for me, you know, the experiences of former years where I saw myself as a success, where I saw myself at the top of my game. And that gave me so much, you know, inner stimulation that even though I was still sad about not being in Oklahoma, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had to accept where I was and I made a determination that I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. And sure enough, you know, at the end of the season, I made, you know, the all-star team. I ended up, you know, uh, getting drafted to one of the uh, local universities. And, you know, I just began to turn my life around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeremiah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with me today. Um, if we want to send people somewhere where they can find out more about you, and the foundation, uh, where, where can we send them? Well, we can send them to Facebook. We've got uh, uh, the International Children's Foundation on Facebook, or if they want to reach out to me personally, they can just put in Jeremiah and they will find me. Okay, great. And actually, if you click on the banner, we'll, we'll send you straight through to Jeremiah's uh, Facebook page from there. So thanks again, Jeremiah, for joining me. 
Thank you. <laughs> and now, guys, I encourage you to share this video. You can do that by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons above. Um, and don't forget, on the banner down the side here, uh, you can actually download the new Inspiration Show app. So you can watch these shows on the go. Now, all of the shows are on the app, so you can watch them anytime in case you've missed any. Um, and make sure that if you haven't done so already to put your email in the box above there. I'd love to send you the Manifesting with the Masters video e-course. It's valued at $87, but I'd like to give it to you for free. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. We'll see you soon.